Welcome to the Books Talk podcast from Lincoln City Libraries. This program was recorded at the South Branch Library on October 26, 2017. Scott from Bennett Martin Public Library leads the Just Desserts Mystery Discussion Group in a discussion of Agatha Christie's Poirot novels and stories. All right, this is the Just Desserts meeting of October 26th, 2017. Our topic for the evening is the entire series of Hercule Poirot stories by Agatha Christie. Uh, over the hiatus uh, in this November, December 2016, we sent out a survey to Just Desserts members asking which of the authors we have previously discussed at Just Desserts meetings uh, you would like to revisit because we knew we were getting to the point where we were needing to revisit some authors. And the results of those uh, surveys that we sent out, which ended up with about 25 of you responding um, back and saying what you thought, the number one author that people would like to revisit was Agatha Christie. It got more votes than any but any other um, author on our list of authors that we had previously done. Uh, so this is our chance to revisit, and Hercule Poirot seemed as good a choice as any, in part because of the new movie that's coming out later the, um, next month, Murder on the Orient Express. We figured, well, that's enough reason to revisit Hercule under the circumstances. So what we're going to do tonight is uh, I will give you a little bit of background about uh, the series uh, with Poirot, and then we will start by passing our little podcast microphone around, and I would like everybody to explain which Hercule Poirot um, volume you sampled, and what you thought of it, and then pass the mic on to the next person. After we're done with all of our Agatha Christie discussions, uh, we'll continue with the rest of our meeting uh, off the microphone. But in the meantime, let's start with a little bit of background on Hercule Poirot. Poirot's first novel was uh, Agatha Christie's first published novel in 1920. So we are actually coming up very close in just another couple of years here on the centenary of uh, her publication history. We've already had her 100th birthday celebration several years ago, um, or what would have been her 100th birthday. Um, but uh, we are actually coming close to the beginning of celebrating 100 years of Agatha Christie as a published author as well. She had actually written uh, Mysterious Affair at Styles, which was the first Poirot story in 1916, so four years before it was actually published, she basically, over the course of her writing career, ended up with 33 Poirot novels, over 50 short stories, and you can't really narrow down the exact number of short stories because there's some complications to that, and one play. Uh, the play was titled Black Coffee. It was written specifically for the stage, and it was not until 1998 that another author um, was given the permission by the Christie estate to novelize that play and turn it into an actual Agatha Christie novel. But at the time, it was only a play, so if you wanted to read all of uh, the Poirot volumes, play format was the only way you really had the opportunity to do that. Uh, the number of short stories is kind of up in the air. It is over 50, but there were a number of her short stories that she then cannibalized and turned into longer works. So some of the short stories got turned into novellas with other titles. Some of the short stories got adapted into full-length novels with other titles. So uh, some of the short stories, in fact, at least one, the Regatta Mystery, started as a Hercule Poirot story that appeared in uh, one of the... Um, news magazines at the time, like The Strand or something like that, and 
She cannibalized it later and rewrote it with Parker Pine, one of her other sleuths as the main sleuth, and that's how it then was reprinted in anthologies and things like that. So until the volume Hercule Poirot, The Complete Short Stories, was released a few years back, uh, that story did not continue to exist as a Hercule Poirot story. It only existed as a Parker Pine story. Um, it has now come back, so you can find both versions of the Regatta mystery uh, with both, both of the types of characters. She realized very quickly the success of this character. Uh, in addition to the early novels, she had a number of short stories all published in the early to mid-1920s uh, that really brought in a lot of money for her and also a lot of readership. But she is quoted very early on as saying that she ended up growing to detest Hercule Poirot, much the same as Arthur Conan Doyle grew to detest Sherlock Holmes, felt like he was a, a lodestone hanging around um, the neck, um, and tried to kill him off by having him fall off Reichenbach Falls, she decided she was not going to do that because she was a working author and liked having the money coming in, and she knew that's what the publishing audience wants, is Hercule Poirot stories. I hate writing them, but if that's what they want, and they're going to keep pay, paying me for it, then I'll keep doing it. Uh, in fact, she describes him as insufferable. By 1960, she felt he was a detestable, bombastic, tiresome, egocentric little creep. But the public loved him, and Christie refused to kill him off, claiming that it was her duty to produce what the public liked. However, by the 50s and early 60s, she decided to expand her repertoire of characters and introduce Miss Marple. Uh, so Miss Marple really dominated the latter half of her writing career, and she did far fewer Hercule Poirot stories. She wrote the final volumes for both Miss Marple and Hercule Poirot, almost 20 years before they actually were published. She basically, she wanted control over the fates of both of her characters, so she wrote their final stories and then put them in a lockbox and a safety deposit box and said, these don't come out until I'm gone. As it happened, they did actually publish Curtain, the final Poirot adventure, uh, the year of her passing. She wasn't quite dead yet at that point, uh, but it was, it was the last Poirot novel that was published. There was one short story collection that came out after that with some stuff that had not been previously collected, but the last published Poirot, in all honesty, was Curtain. Now, that brings us to ways in which a lot of people may be even more familiar with Poirot, and that is, I'm going to pass a couple copies of this, one each direction so you can take a look at it. Poirot is one of the most frequently adapted to the screen characters. Uh, the first version of it was in 1931, not by Agatha Christie, but um, stories written by other people, which she was not overly happy with. The actor was Austin Trevor, and as you look at the handout that's going around the table, you will say, that doesn't look anything like Poirot, and you are correct. Uh, they just decided to do whatever they wanted and use the name of the character, really. Um, the next one, if you can picture it, is is Felix Unger from The Odd Couple. That is uh, Tony Randall um, played, uh, played him in a TV movie, which actually was a parody. It was not a straight play. It wasn't a full parody, but it was brought up to modern-day era, and he was played as kind of a buffoonish character, which all the other characters kept trying to interfere and stop him from being involved in a mystery. Um, there is a, a movie called The Alphabet Murders, also known as The ABC Murders, uh, which... 
is uh, the ABC Murders is a Her Hercule Poirot novel. Um, however, this is very loosely adapted from um, anything associated with that. I really, really want to see this now. I want to see Felix Unger as Hercule Poirot. The next actor to be associated with the role was Albert Finney, uh, who was in the original 1974 Murder on the Orient Express, uh, which was an all-star cast. He was asked to return in the role because it actually earned him an Oscar nomination. It's the only time anybody's been um, nominated for an Oscar to play uh, Hercule Poirot. He did not win. Um, however, he also did not want to come back and play the character. He thought he had done exactly what he wanted to with the character in the first time around and didn't come back. So they brought in... Peter Houstonoff, uh, which if you're like me uh, and like Christie's daughter, you look at Peter Houstonoff and you say, that's nothing like Poirot. That, that's absolutely nothing about what Agatha Christie wrote. And uh, apparently there was a scene in which she said that on the set of the filming of one of the movies, and Peter Houstonoff was close enough that he could hear that, and he turned around to her and said, it is now. Um, and he played um, Poirot in three feature films and three TV movies, so six films altogether. Ian Holm did a one-shot movie in 1986. You may recognize him from The Lord of the Rings as the elder Bilbo Baggins. John Moffat, even though there is a picture of him as Poirot here, was never on screen. He was um, a voice actor. Well, he did a lot of screen acting, but for Poirot, it was a voice acting role. Uh, he basically was in 26 different Poirot novelizations done for BBC Radio, which are um, adapted um, to CD and streaming audio, and most of them are available. So if you like them, they are really highly regarded. And he is considered to be like the ultimate Poirot voice, um, if you don't have a face to go with it. Um, a lot of BBC listeners, that, that's what they swear. That is Poirot for them, is, is his version of it. And I love the fact that he, for a promotional um, image um, for the release of the CDs, did dress up as the character so that you can see what it would, would have been like. Uh, the next one, of course, is the one that probably most everybody is aware of, David Suchet, uh, who performed as Poirot for 24 years. Ultimately, they are saying that he did the entire body of Poirot works. That is not entirely true because some of the short stories didn't get adapted, but some of those are the short stories that got turned into other stories, so you sort of have to fudge it a little. And they did not do Black Coffee the play as an episode of the TV series. However, he acted as Poirot in a stage version of Black Coffee, so he says... I've done them all. So uh, if you have not seen it and you are a fan of Hercule Poirot and David Suchet's performance, attached to the final season series box set of season 13 of Agatha Christie's Poirot was a one-hour documentary called Being Poirot in which he basically, they, they aired it on PBS and on the BBC um, in attachment to the episode that was Curtain, the final Poirot story. 13 seasons. 13 seasons. And that documentary is absolutely fascinating. He visits all sorts of sites associated with Christie, her background, Poirot's background, takes visitors to the building that served as Poirot's uh, apartments, uh, which were very specific. Um, they were nothing, nowhere near where they were in the books, but filming, you sort of have to take what you can get. And my favorite part of it is listening to him, because in the documentary, he is the actor. He is not the character. And there is a wonderful scene in which he talks about how he got into the mindset of the character and did the accent. And you can see him layering elements of the character on, and his voice is changing from this relatively deep 
voice to the, the kind of pinched and Belgian slash French accent that he used throughout the series. And it's just amazing to watch this guy just sitting on his couch and talking and becoming something else entirely in just a, a, a few moments. So it is a wonderful documentary if you have a chance to see that. Uh, Alfred Molina played the character in a TV movie version of Murder on the Orient Express in 2001, which I wish the library had because I'd like to see that one. I somehow missed that. And in 2017, in just a couple of weeks, we will be having the premiere of Kenneth Branagh and the new version of Murder on the Orient Express as well. So there have been a lot of adaptations of him over the years. And obviously there's lots of works to do that with. David Suchet follows in Jeremy Brett's footsteps as having completed the entire body of Sherlock Holmes' work before he passed away. Uh, so there's two great British actors with two great um, British detective characters, and we have everything all in one package there. So with that, I will open up our discussion of individual titles. I have a few that I will talk about myself, but first let me share the reviews from the people who were not able to join us this evening, but who did read Christie and would like to comment on it. First of all, I'll start with Don. Don's review um, when he stopped at Ben and Martin was, there wasn't enough violence. That was the extent of Don's review. Thank you, Don. Paula called and got me um, earlier this afternoon and said, I love Agatha Christie. I've never been able to get into Hercule Poirot, but because this was what we were supposed to read for tonight's group, I read The Big Four, which is actually one of the quintessential novels in the Poirot series. And she said, I still can't get into him. I love Miss Marple. I love Tommy and Tuppence, but I just, I, she did not like the character, and it sounds like Agatha Christie agreed. She didn't end up liking the character either, but that, that held her back. She said it was extremely well-written, it was a wonderful mystery, but the character was so off-putting for her that she just could not get into the um, series and will not read any additional Hercule Poirot's. The ver reverse of that is Jenny, our cupcake lady, uh, who said... I had so much fun. I read five of them this past month. I loved them all. One of them was on video. I watched Evil Under the Sun as a movie, uh, but I read The Big Four. I read Cards on the Table, Hercule Poirot's Christmas, and Mrs. McGinty's Dead. Um, I, the only thing that stopped me from reading any more is because there aren't enough hours in the day. I would have continued with more of them. I absolutely love them um, and look forward to reading more of them, so thank you for the book list. That gives me more to look forward to. So there's two of our absent viewers or absent members, I should say. And here are the things that I will say. I read two entire um, Poirot things, and am partway through a couple of others. The first that I read in its entirety is the play Black Coffee. Uh, I am on the play reading committee for the Lincoln Community Playhouse this year um, for the 2018-2019 season, and one of the playwrights we're looking at is Agatha Christie as a possible inclusion in that season's worth of plays, and so I was given the assignment to read all of the Agatha Christie plays that I could get my hands on that had single sets, in other words, that between act breaks did not change the set, and Black Coffee is one of those, and I absolutely loved Black Coffee the play. I can't can't speak to the book. I haven't read it, but the play was really marvelous, and uh, I would love to see it staged. I would, I would love to see somebody tackle that role. Uh, he has lots of really good dialogue. It is a challenging mystery, but, and I will say this about any Agatha Christie play, they are very talky. They are not a lot of action going on. There's a lot of talking heads, people exchanging dialogues. Some of them are extremely twisty plots, um, challenging and giving you a lot to think about, and others are kind of flat. Uh, the, the Black Coffee was a good mystery, 
featuring a uh, main character who gets poisoned in his black coffee, and Hercule Poirot gets brought in ostensibly to ch- um, prevent a robbery, and then stumbles into the middle of the fact that the guy that he was supposed to be helping to prevent a robbery is the one who gets killed, and he doesn't want to leave. He wants to solve the mystery because of that. Um, lots of interesting characters. The one thing that's really awkward is that the relationship between him and Hastings, his his Dr. Watson, shall we say, is really kind of weird in the play. Um, in some of the books, it works a lot better, but in the play, it was a little awkward. The other thing that I did finish is a book called Little Gray Cells, the Quotable Poirot, which is basically several hundred Poirot quotes pulled from the short stories and novels on a variety of different themes, food and drink, human nature, women, the English, symmetry and order, romance, detective work, etc., etc. It really put me into the mind of the character um, before reading some of the shorter works uh, to read these quotes and really sort of synopsize what the character was all about. I will admit that his snobbishness, his, his uh, demanding personality doesn't come through on the quotes as easily it does in the short stories and the novels. Um, so this makes him seem like a very admirable character, whereas when I actually get into some of the actual works, um, he can be a bit tiresome. Um, I am just starting Murder on the Orient Express, which I want to finish reading before the movie comes out. And last but not least, I picked up this doorstop called Agatha Christie's Hercule Poirot, The Complete Short Stories. It is 51 stories in 867 pages. And I joked a week ago, how much of this can I finish before the meeting? I finished 120 pages out of 860 pages, so I have a lot more to go. I will say this. I very much prefer Hercule Poirot in novels to Hercule Poirot in short stories. In short stories, he is absolutely insufferable and and the mysteries don't hold up very well whereas in the novels i felt like they were really strong mysteries so i recommend them if you want to be a purist and and read everything um the library does have this collection we also have uh, the collection of agatha christie uh plays in which you can read um, some of her uh, stage work although that does not include black coffee if you'd like to borrow black coffee i do i did buy a copy and you're welcome to borrow the play um, or you can read the novel by osborne so that is Scott and his crusty choices. Kathy, what did you read? Okay, uh, my name is Kathy, and I am an Agatha Christie fan. I have read several of the things on here. I don't believe I've read all of them. I do like Jane Marple a little bit better, but I do like Hercule Poirot, although he can be a little tiresome and fastidious and I read or reread uh, Murder on the Orient Express, or rather listened to it, and then got the movie from the library, which not which includes Sean Connery, Ingrid Bergman, Michael York, Jacqueline Bisset, Anthony Perkins, you know, just about anybody who was who was who, and I liked it quite a bit. And looking forward to the new movie. It's one of the few times I think where he solves the mystery and then gives people a choice. Either take my solution or take this easy way out and we'll just all walk away. But it still was, I still enjoyed it quite a bit. Becky, do you remember reading any Agatha Christie? I've read Agatha Christie, but I haven't read Hercule Poirot. But I've, I've seen some of the movies, and probably the first movie I saw, and I don't remember Poirot from it at all, was Ten Little Indians. Which, you know, nowadays yeah. is not a very politically correct title, but 
wasn't you know how that goes. That's, that's not a party. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. Anyway, um, that was the first Christie movie. Anyway, but then, so I'm familiar with the Peter Ustinov stuff: The Evil Under the Sun, Death on the Nile, etc. In addition to Murder on the Orient Express, which I enjoyed all of those movies quite a lot. And I guess I haven't, having not read the stories, I have, I didn't form or haven't formed my own vision of what Proro is like. So it didn't bother me that Peter Ustinov was that way. I haven't really seen the David Suchet's, which... Keep, keep this physical description in mind. From the very first Poirot novel, he was hardly more than five feet four inches, but carried himself with great dignity. His head was exactly the shape of an egg, and he always perched it a little on one side. His mustache was very stiff and military. Even if everything on his face was covered, the tips of his mustache and his pink-tipped nose would be visible. So I'm, I'll, that's my, <laughs> the extent of my contribution. <laughs> well, I'm Rayma, and I read quite a few of these, too. Uh, the one that I really liked best was Five Little Pigs which kind of shows Christie's penchant for using nursery rhymes as a plot device. She did that with Ten Little Indians and some of the other things that, uh, that she did with other um, heroines and heroes and all of that. I like Poirot. I mean, he's, he can be kind of insufferable at times, but so can I. So I guess yeah. I don't, I don't, it doesn't bother me that much. Um, in this one, which was actually written in 1942, he has been asked by um, a young woman to investigate her mother's conviction for murder. Her mother was convicted of murdering her father, I believe, and he was a famous artist. And the mother, I believe, died in prison. I don't think she was executed. Well, anyway, the daughter uh, is wanting to get married, and she's worried that she may have inherited criminal tendencies, which, of course, would have been a perfectly legitimate concern back then. We all know differently now. And so Poirot decides this is enough of a challenge. He's semi-retired, and he wants to find something to do. So he goes back, and he re-interviews all of these people. And they basically all sell, tell the same story, but from their own point of view with emphasis on different things. And somehow Poirot has to synthesize all of these and come to a conclusion as to who actually committed the murder. And I thought it was really quite well done. Um, he uses the five little pigs metaphor to kind of describe the characters. One is a stockbroker, so that's the little pig who went to market. And then there was another who was an herbalist, and he's the one little pig who stayed home. Uh, there is a woman who has been divorced several times, and she's the little pig who had roast beef. And then there's a governess who has never married, and uh, so that he labels her as the little pig who had none. And then there is a character who is slightly disfigured because her sister attacked her when she was a baby. And so she says that that's the little pig who cried all the way home. So he has to decide which of these little pigs actually committed the crime. And I won't go any further with that because we don't do spoilers here. So uh, it's, it's very worthwhile, very well done. Well, I'm Charlotte, and I'm probably one of five people in the world who, do not like, who does not like Christy. Though I really enjoyed the movie Ten Little Indians, but the ending is different from the book. Mm -hmm. And I saw Mousetrap in London, 
the, the play and just loved those. But beyond that, I could not get into the books. I tried them. I've read Mysterious Affair at Styles, Murder of Roger Ackroyd, Death on the Nile, Evil Under the Sun, and Curtain. But I just couldn't get, they just seemed tedious and I couldn't get into them. This time around, I tried Dumb Witness, which is about uh, Emily Arendelle, and she thinks one of her relatives is trying to kill her. She had this accident. She thought, oh, she tripped over this thing on the stairs. It was her doggy's fault. But she's decided somebody really does want to kill her, so she writes Poirot a letter. Well, he doesn't get the letter until after she's dead. And I thought, well, okay, that sounds kind of cool. But I just couldn't, couldn't get into it. And I can't even really tell you why. But other than I just find them tedious. And yeah, I don't like Poirot in general. So sorry, guys. I'm Barb. And I'm with you. I'm not a big Christie fan. I remember when I was in high school, I was trying to read Miss Marvel, and she was duller than dull. And <laughs> so she kind of went away. And I've tried to read Hercule. I love the movies and the TV shows and stuff like that. I love those. The books, not so much. And I'm trying to find this one. I read The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, and I really did enjoy that one. I actually did enjoy that one. But Roger's talking. He explains the whole book. I mean, this is book is from his perspective. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. And kind of went downhill from there. Um, then I read Death on the Nile, which I had seen Peter Ustinov in. Mm -hmm. So I knew who had done it. And that was another dull hmm. book for me. And so then I moved on to The Patriotic Murders which I just noticed is also published as an overdose of death. Mm -hmm. And it's about a dentist who gets killed in his office shortly after Hercule goes in for a dental appointment and he leaves and the dentist gets killed. Another dull plotting. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I'm with you. I can't get into it. I'm Marlene. And I read um, The Big Four this time. I'd never read that one. I've read several of them. I have, thanks to Netflix, I've watched um, the whole series <laughs> and just finished it um, not too long ago. And, you know, you binge watch on Netflix. But, um, and I had read several others of hers. I think when I was in high school, I started reading mysteries and, and I read a lot of hers then so a lot of them I probably could go back and read over and they'd be new to me. Well, I'm Carolyn and I know that I read a lot of Agatha Christie back in the 70s. I probably started when I was in bed with hepatitis <laughs> <laughs> and um, haven't picked up a Christie since the 70s I know. I read one, two, Buckle My Shoe, which is also the patriotic murders or overdose of death. And starts out with one, two, Buckle My Shoe, three, four, uh, shut the door, five, six, picking up sticks, seven, eight, lay them straight, nine, ten. I always said a big fat hen. This is a good fat hen. I did not know or remember that it went on. Eleven, twelve, men must delve. Thirteen, fourteen, maids are courting. 15, 16, maids in the kitchen. 17, 18, maids in waiting. And 19, 20, my plate's empty. And 
the chapters begin with each section of that rhyme. Okay, now <laughs> I get to the nitty-gritty. Too many characters. Couldn't keep them all straight, especially when two names of key characters begin with the same letter. That one was tough. Well, it goes to the dentist, and as he is leaving, a woman gets out of a taxi coming into the dentist, and a buckle falls off her shoe, which he hands back to her, and that plays heavily into the mystery. And then we have all kinds of schemes going on and people he doesn't like, and his gut instinct tells him this isn't right, and his little egg head pops up over a fence. And, you know, I, there were good parts to it and enjoyable, but, you know, I had to keep thinking, okay, now, which character is this? And that was one of the things that bothered me is I couldn't keep them all straight. But I do enjoy Agatha Christie for the most part. I'm Susie, and I picked up Elephants Can Remember first. And I thought it was pretty mediocre. It was, um, there was not enough Perot in it. You either like him or hate him, but if it's about Perot, I want him in there. And it was almost like they were introducing him. So I kind of felt it was not quite what I expected. So then I went back and I got the murder of, of Roger Ackroyd, and I really liked it. I really liked it. I noticed in our handout here, it says, known for its startling reveal, this is the book that changed Agatha Christie's career. I had no idea that it had any impact on her career, but I can see why, because I felt like it was almost an O. Henry ending. It was really, really good. It was, it was woven and, and all the rest. But, uh, and I don't mind Perot. If I had to live with him, he would be dead now. But because I just have to read about him, I find him funny. So I enjoy that part. But. The Murder of Roger Ackroyd is probably the best one I've read of hers. It didn't seem to be quite as, as verbose, and that made a difference. We had tried, my husband and I tried to listen to one on the road of the Perros, and because of all the uh, conversation back and forth, it just didn't work for us but this one seemed to be a little tighter written maybe I don't know but this one was really good so I would recommend the merger of Roger Ackroyd over a lot of the others that um, I've read in the past um, well I'm Ladina and I probably should have sat on that side of the room <laughs> uh, but we have here. right so I attempted evil under the sun and there was so many characters, I kept going, I have no idea what's going on, so I'd continue on, and every time I picked it up, I'd go, I, there was just way too many characters within the first 50 pages that I had no idea what's going on. However, it will not sway me from trying another one, because she is a rather iconic author. <laughs> And I do remember seeing Murder on the Orient Express with my grandparents many moons ago. So I am looking forward to the new one. But I'll probably try another one, maybe the Roger Ackroyd one, yeah, since people I, seem I to like that one. The first third of her career. Yeah, this, I, there was just way too many people. And she has the list in the front, but even when I would go back and go, uh, no. Well, the interesting thing about Evil Under the Sun is even in the movie, they, uh, for movie adaptations, they often confirm the cast. 
that that had just so many characters in there, it. So. It was there was so much going on, and I, I kept every time I picked it up, I'm going, I don't know what's going on, so I'm going back, and yeah, no. Um, I'm Vera, and of course I like fast pace and violent mystery novels. But um, I read this more from a scholarly approach and actually really enjoyed it. I did some research before and found out that most critics consider, uh, oh, I read The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, consider it to be her finest Poirot mystery. In fact, one of her finest novels. I found it very humorous. I was astounded at how much humor was in it. Poirot didn't seem quite so insufferable because he's making jokes at the expense of the English. For example, uh, the gentleman in the book who helps him, Dr. Shepard, he invites him over, and, and when Shepard comes in, he says, uh, does it feel okay in here? Is it too hot? Is it too cold? And, and Shepard's thinking, it's so, so hot I can't stand it in here. But he doesn't say anything. He's too much of an English gentleman. And he says, oh, no, it's fine. And then Poirot laughs, and he says, you English, he said, you have an insufferable need, he said, to have all the windows open. He said, cold air should stay outside. <laughs> so th there was a lot of humor I, on both sides. Um, so I really enjoyed that part. The end is a very dramatic twist. You don't really see it coming. Um, Hastings is not in this book because, oh, Poirot, it's important, Poirot is retired and he's escaped to this small village and he doesn't want anybody to know who he is. Well, he decides he's terribly bored, so he kind of lets people find out. But Hastings isn't there to bounce things off of. So a gentleman in the village, Dr. Shepard, steps up and he's the sidekick. I guess the last thing I was going to say is, oh, I, I guess it was right after Agatha Christie died that the New York Times ran an obituary of Hercule Poirot. Hmm. And to this day, that is still the only time a fictional character has been given an, auto, uh, an, obituary, an obituary in the New York Times. Wow. <clears throat> well, I'm Linda. I kind of like the same type of stories Vera does, but I have always loved Agatha Christie. I started reading her after Nancy Drew. She was my next find after Nancy Drew. And I read every one that was in our little library in Creighton, Nebraska. It's been a while since I've picked one up. They're real easy reads. You know, you can pick one up and poof, it's done. And you feel good. I mean, you never feel terrible after they're over. That's a nice thing. And you don't dream about them. They're just done. It's kind of nice. I read The Mysterious Affair at Styles which was her first one, but I really enjoyed it. Again, I just like her. I like all the people. I think I like talking books. I think I do, because in books that I've listened to, if there's lots of descriptions, psh, it's gone. But talk, 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 I'm good. So maybe that's why I like her. I don't know. I just always have. And say one more thing. Yeah. Many years ago, I saw something on TV. Uh, they'd had some kind of anniversary party regarding Agatha Christie, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but they were showing her house and interviewing people about her, maybe family members, and it was you know a lot of people there. And then they had something that never happened in the books. They had Hercule Poirot and uh, Jane Marple 
meeting. So they had, I, I don't remember if it was David Suchet or it somebody was. else, and then some, one of the people who had played Miss Marple recently coming in on the train or whatever. And people were just going crazy. There was all kind of, you know, photography going on, and just people were just going nuts over Perot and Marple meeting together. And uh, it, was, it was, I don't remember the name of it or how long ago it was or exactly what the anniversary was, but uh, I really enjoyed watching that. PBS re-aired that particular documentary at the time of the wrapping up the Suchet's Poirot series oh. as, as well, in addition to the one about being Poirot. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do remember seeing that, and you are correct. Uh, in honesty... The characters never met in fiction. No. Uh, Marple and Poirot existed in the same world, but never crossed paths. Uh, there are short story collections. Not all of the short story collections that are referenced in your handouts um, that feature Poirot stories are exclusively with Poirot. Some are exclusively, but some were uh, featuring a variety of different sleuths in different stories. And so there are collections where you'll get a Poirot and a, a Marple in the same collection, just not in the same story. Uh, there was at least one of the feature films, I believe it was the Tony Randall one, uh, in which they have one of the actresses known as playing Miss Marple pass him in a hallway, and he does this double take and looks at her, she goes by and she just smiles at him and continues on. There's no lines are expressed, no, no interactions between them, so for what that's worth. Now, I will throw a few more things out really quick. Uh, Susie, you mentioned uh, having the um, Elephant's um, title, didn't feel like it was really Poirot. Towards the end of her career, the latter few books, she really was cutting him out. She was introducing other characters who were doing all of his footwork, and they, she actually had his character aging and finding physical infirmities and stuff, so he was having other people do the legwork for him, and he'd, he comes swooping in at the end to solve everything based on the evidence that was given to him. So the latter works, as you look at the handout, the latter ten novels in the series are probably the weakest in terms of Poirot as a character, whereas the earlier ones are probably the best. Yeah, he wouldn't show up until at least halfway through the book. Yeah. You know, and, she and she introduced recurring other characters like Ariadne Oliver and stuff like that uh, to sort of take some of the, the burden of the, the plot um, off of uh, Poirot. Uh, Mary told me to tell you she liked the murder of Roger Okay, so another of our members, Mary, liked the murder of Roger Ackroyd. Now, admittedly, the murder of, as Vera indicated, murder of Roger Ackroyd is considered to probably be the creme de la creme of Poirot stories. Cards on the... Cards on the table and the big four are... There, there's like six of them that are like... If you're only going to read a handful of these, these are the ones to read. Cards on the Table, The Big Four, or two of the other ones. Raymond, which one did you read? Five Little Pings. Yeah, because it does the Rashomon version of the story where it's everybody telling their own version. Um, I will say she only wrote 66 novels in the mystery genre. She also wrote six romances under her married name, West Maycott. Um, but of the 66 novels, 33 are Poirot. So that just shows you how much he dominated her writing career. Now, I will say one last thing. I'm kind of hoping that the Playhouse does choose to do a Poirot play, because if so, I will try out for it. Uh, but I've been planning for two years to do an egg. I know. Uh, but I have an egg-shaped head, wouldn't you say? Uh, um and I, I was trying to do the twirly mustache thing. So um, the reason I bring this up is I, for the past two years, I've been planning to do an Agatha Christie book talk at the Bethany and the Gear Groups. And 
when we were talking about doing a Christie play for the Playhouse, I was saying how probably a Christie book talk will be done in which that could be cross-promoted in some way. If they do do a Poirot play, even if I didn't get cast in it, I am planning, I hope, to do those two book talks as Poirot in costume oh. and trying, trying to do the accent and stuff like that. So we'll see what happens. But uh, with that, I, we will wrap up the Christie portion of our discussion. Thank you all for um, sampling Agatha Christie um, and revisiting uh, the one who came in number one on our viewer voter. So uh, we will... Uh, probably be revisiting other authors in the future and for those we may also do recordings but for the moment that is the end of the Christie discussion. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast from Lincoln City Libraries. If you would like to comment on this or any of our podcasts you can do so by visiting our podcast page at lincolnlibraries.org podcasts where you can also download our podcasting theme music for use as your ringtone. You can become a fan of our podcast by searching for Lincoln City Libraries podcasts on Facebook. 